Hey Northridge, welcome to A Little Better, where our goal is to know God better and to do better so that we can be a little better. and welcome back to A Little Better. I hope that you are enjoying this wonderful fall weather as we record this. It is a brisk 61 degrees outside and I could not be more excited. <laughs> Why are you shaking your head no, Drew? That's not a good sign. I love fall weather. I just, I believe it's a little early. It's September, so I would like more 80s, even a little touch of 90s, you know, and then October, November, we can talk about fall weather. It's just a little early for me yet. I actually, you know what? I hear that. I, it, September 1st was basically like all of a sudden this switch was thrown and it was immediately fall weather. And that was very odd, especially given how hot this summer had been, which was so there was a big shift. But as somebody who really enjoys fall weather and is not really about the 80s, I'm more about the 60s and 70s when possible. This is a nice shift for me. I can be happy for you. I can. <laughs> but with this fall weather, of course, comes the arrival of football season. What's your Cowboys looking like? Stephen A. was was saying some pretty strong things about the lackluster offense. So what do I need to know? I mean, Stephen A. says a lot of things, let's be <laughs> honest. Um, you know, it was it was week one. I, I You know, I have high hopes for the Cowboys. I always do. So don't read too much into it because it's fandom it's not accurate it's not reality if they do great they'll be awesome um i thought last night they played well that pass interference call i mean come on you can't call that at the end of the game seriously that was not enough to call that and who knows they still might have lost that might have taken them to overtime they still would have lost so i enjoyed watching the game i was disappointed they lost still got 15 more games to go we'll see how it pans out that's very true. So t- tell me, uh, Josh Allen, let's just get your, your hot take on Josh Allen, then we'll move away from football. Did you get to see the Bills game? Well, I actually picked the Bills. I'm in this kind of like you got to pick a, a team to win at mm-hmm. each each game, and the moment you pick a team that loses, you're out. So it's it's kind of like, ooh, it's scary. And you can only pick one team once. So you got to switch teams every week. And the week one's always the hardest because you're like, I don't know who any of these teams are. Who was great is going to stink this year. And so – I went with the Bills on week one. Did you hear that, church? Come on. Let's go. Amen. Hallelujah. I picked the Bills in week one and had nothing to do with the Bills. It had everything to do with they were playing the Jets. (laughs) Hey, I was cheering. I told you I would. I'm a man of my word. Let's go, Bills. Yeah, 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 yeah. So football is back. That was actually fun. I'm not necessarily always watching football, but it was a good – it felt very like – I almost wished I'd had some chili or something, and uh, that would have been a, a good start to fall. Again, I understand it's a little early, but it was grand opening for fall uh, for us. Not only grand opening at the Webster campus, but kind of like fall kickoff for our ministry and all that kind of stuff. So I have lots to ask you about there, but I just want to thank everyone again for jumping on, whether you're watching or listening. Thanks for listening to A Little Better every week and for being willing to give up now three minutes and four seconds of nonsense of your week to listen to Drew and I talk about stuff that does not matter at all. Um, But this weekend was grand opening. So Drew, tell us what happened um, across the two campuses. I had a weird moment in the lobby with you where I was looking at you in the Webster lobby and on the screen. I actually took a photo of it because I sort of felt like I was in Inception. But tell me, how, how did the weekend go? Um, and give me your take. It was an amazing weekend uh, for so many reasons. One, you know, September, school's back, and we had a lot of people come back to church. Um, our numbers were higher than probably anybody anticipated, which is 
really exciting. And in this COVID season, you know, you got to look for reasons to celebrate and we celebrate not numbers, but people. And you know, we're, we're a people business. And I know that word business, like we're, we are in the people business though. We love and care for people without people. We don't do what we do. And so, mm-hmm. man, we were really excited about that. We saw a lot of new faces. We got to celebrate the grand opening of our Webster campus building. It was the first time I was actually to, able to go to a Webster campus uh, service in that facility is amazing. It was awesome. It was moving. It was powerful. It was also low key weird sitting in on me preaching to myself. <laughs> I was like, boo, this guy stinks. <laughs> you know, like, it was just weird. I mean, but the, the 11 o'clock service, you know, there's food trucks. And so while I was preaching, I already listened to the message and I, I worshiped, did my talking points. Actually, and I, kids are in kids ministry. We low key went on a date night all the way to the, to the uh, food trucks and was like, yo, baby, you want to grab a date for like 15 minutes? <laughs> what did you go with? Did you go with macaroni or the brunch? Or what'd you do? You know, if you haven't tried the macaroni and two things, the breakfast mac and cheese was bomb. It was so wow. good. And then it, they had a um, uh, Korean barbecue mac and cheese. It was, I've never seen them have that. Man, they were both fantastic. Kudos to you, macaroni. <laughs> That's awesome. I got some coffee at some point during the morning. Um, I don't, I, I can't remember the name of it based out of sodas. There was a, an East side coffee roaster, um, truck. That was cool. That was cool. And I had some delicious cold brew. So yeah, it was a great morning and being in Webster. Um, yeah, if, if I'm remembering correctly, you recorded at the 8am service and then were present at the 930 and the 11 at the 930 is when the LaFroy's builders and the CPL architects and various other teams that we had worked together with, including electrical contractors were all there in person. You guys got to honor them. Um, and Eric, who was the project manager at a volunteer level for that entire thing. Um, That was really cool to be a part of. I actually brought a whole group of people over from the overflow spaces. Both overflow overflow rooms in Webster were being utilized during that service. And um, because we don't have any cameras, they couldn't have seen it. So we brought on this huge crowd to like come and sit, stand in the back and then head back to the overflow room so we could keep distance uh, appropriately. But yeah, it was a a fun thing to be a part of. And three services was new. I've never been at Northridge with three services before. So that was a a new thing for me. Well, I mean, bro, you've been to, uh, have you been to Christmas with three services or you always been at like Henrietta during those times? Oh, I guess that's true. You know, now that I think about it, I've definitely done back in the day when I was before Henrietta launched, I definitely would have had some three service like Christmas Eve, that kind of stuff, even playing in the band. I'm remembering that now, but I guess I meant on a Sunday morning. So yeah, never done that before. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And honestly, I preached once this weekend. And I was like, man, I'm tired. And then I was like, oh no. I have to do this two more times next weekend. <laughs> it's only only approximately one third of the amount of times that you'll preach next weekend. Hey, just a small shout out to if if you are a core person at Northridge Church and you know you you got no kids and you want to speaking of kids, my kids are trying to break down my door right now. In fact, they might join our podcast really quickly. Hey guys, you gotta go. Daddy's working. I love you so much, but you gotta go. Everybody say hi to my kids. Ruby, Kate, Malachi are taking over. Bye-bye, guys. I love you. If you are core members of Northridge Church, you don't got kids, please come to the 8 a.m. There's plenty of space there. We would love to have you. I was actually surprised how many people went, but we need more people to go to create some space for guests in those two services. So just a quick plea to do that. Yeah, yeah. The 8 a.m., it was kind of fun. In Henrietta, back in the day, we uh, had a... 
um, a volunteer service, we call it. Our nine o'clock was a volunteer service. It was just for volunteers. And um, it had a fun kind of a different vibe because it was just people who were core. Like we had no guests intentionally. Um, and so we had a, a little bit of a different flavor to it. And that's a little bit what the eight o'clock service felt like was, you know, people, if you're coming to the eight o'clock, you're probably a core person and you're, and um, you know, maybe going to be serving later. So it had a different kind of um, back porch down home feel, which I really, I enjoyed there at the, at the Webster campus. But um, yeah, it was great. Great weekend. Webster is now officially rocking and rolling and we're in the series, A Tale of Two Brothers. So we got to hear from Luke 15. Um, and even though you were wearing a Dallas Cowboys hoodie, I did appreciate the entire message. And um, man, what an, a, you know, not only a great message, but based off of a book that um, was really impactful to, you know, you and me and lots of people, that Tim Keller book is really great. So I would, I would love for you to tell us where did this message come from in terms of your heart? When did you interact with this book? What did that look like? Yeah, it, it really came from uh, some, of, some stirrings in my heart that God has given me over the course of, you know, 10 years of ministry, but also paired with this book that uh, my community group in two trimesters ago, we walked through this book together. We picked it up, The Prodigal God. Again, if you haven't read it, I'd encourage you to do that. It's by Timothy Keller. Just a really... Uh, challenging book, uh, a book that wrestles through a lot of things that we've missed in the story of the prodigal son. And so we walked through the book in our uh, community group and it was really challenging for me. And it was challenging and it, it kind of verified some things that I've been wrestling with through my ministry career. Um, some things that I think need addressed in the church. And so I was really excited to jump into it this week. Hmm. What's funny though, as we, as we were writing this, you know, this was deep during COVID when we were writing this a long time ago. Um, some of our first Zoom writing sessions, but uh, you you are definitely like a don't tell me I can't type personality. Like you know sure. whatever. Don't you know? Don't tell me I can't this because then I'm going to go for it. You know what I mean? I'm going to go all in. Like that competitive kind of push the boundaries type personality. But yet you described yourself even in the message as being an older brother. So talk to me. The older brother is the one who struggles with like the self-righteousness and looking down on the rule-breaking younger brother. So, and you're also in the middle, literally, of your three, wait, no, you're the youngest of your three brothers. So I'm uh, like trying to figure out how, how do you get in the book? Where do you see yourself um, despite your rule-breaking personality? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely a rule-breaker. But what's weird is I'm also a... a a rule follower. I'm just, I'm a manipulator too. I know which rules to follow to get what I want, mm -hmm. but also which rules to break to get what I want, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And so like I battle both of those things, but you know, the thing I think I see in the older brother that I see in me so much is this, you know, judgmental spirit of like, wow, I'm, I've been a Christian ever since I was seven years old. And so I know what pleases God and what doesn't please God. And I can do things that I know will please God out of a wrong heart, but still do them thinking that God will honor them and bless me for them. And so, you know, I almost manipulate following the rules because I know it's what God wants. I, I, I know it's what I'm supposed to do. And so I'll just do it out of just sheer like, okay, I'm going to do this to, you know, almost control God to bless me, control him to, and, and I'm getting a little bit into week two. So I want to be careful here. Um, but that's, I, I am a rule breaker, but I'm also a rule follower, but they co both kind of coincide or collide at like Drew just does what he, what he wants to get what he wants. Sure. Sure. You, uh, yeah, I think that makes sense. I'm definitely in the elder brother self-righteous category of 
kind of like a stereotypical person who's followed the rules. That's certainly been more of my path than the other one of the, you know, what we typically call the prodigal son, which prodigal, by the way, I have this sitting here just so I could read it ready to go. Um, by definition means spending money or resources freely and recklessly. It is to be wastefully extravagant. Um, which if, I don't know, if you grew up like me in church, I, I assumed prodigal meant rebellious or, um, like a bad kid in some way, I, just because the prodigal son was always a description of the guy who went and squandered his father's resources. So I always just thought it meant like he was rebellious or sinful or like, I don't know, promiscuous. <laughs> like those would have been the same in my head. Cause I just assumed that's what I meant. So I remember seeing prodigal God as like this like very provocative book title because it was like, what do you mean? And I'm sure that's what Tim Keller meant. Like that's why he did it that way was to be like, wait, what, what could that possibly mean? But then when you realize it just means wastefully extravagant or reckless, it takes us back to the idea of how God's love and his desire to have a relationship with us is wasteful. It's extravagant. And like he at great personal cost to himself spends of himself to bring us into a relationship with him. And um, so anyway, I was definitely not the the prodigal in the form of the rebellious one, I'm definitely more self-righteous in my tendencies. Um, and I think one of the things you said that was, was good was um, one litmus test for whether or not you're an older brother is whether or not you can accept people who have made really bad decisions without like questioning, just like full on rejoicing no matter what. And I have to be honest, it is extremely, as this sounds, it's gonna sound horrible, but it is hard for me to believe a conversion story sometimes because I can be like, well, are they really like, and I can get super self-righteous. Now, again, I don't think that I would be like, I refuse to go to that baptism party or like, I refuse to clap for their baptism. I don't think that it would be quite like the exaggerated older brother in Luke 15, but I'm definitely in my heart. I mean, I might as well be saying, seriously, like, are we sure? Are we being a little premature in our excel excitement here? And all the questions that I think are, are valid. I love that you said on Sunday, like, Maybe you're an older brother and you're thinking that that's actually kind of a reasonable concern here. Like this dude just got back and we're throwing him a party. Like, I don't know. Are, are you ever like that of, of feeling like, I, I mean, I've got my questions to that need answers. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not naturally a skeptic, but I can be very judgmental. So, you know, and I think that was the older brother as well. And I think it fleshes out for Christians and not even necessarily like the, Oh, are they really saved or not? I think a lot of Christians aren't willing to like count the cost if it means reaching out to the person far from God. And what I mean by that is like, you know, I know a lot of church people, they're like, wait, why are the messages always gospel centered? Or like, like, why, why are we always preaching this way? Or why are we gearing our stuff towards, towards them? I, I want more. And what, what the older brother did was, Hey, you're, you're loving them at the expense of me. Like I never got anything and he seems to be getting everything. And I think that's where a lot of Christians become older brothers. It's like they show up to church and, and it's, we live in a consumeristic mentality. And so I show up to church expecting something for myself and maybe it's rather giving something of myself so somebody else can experience something. Mm. And so that's where I see a lot of older brothers come out and me and too, I don't like to give up what I want. And so neither did the older brother. He was like, yo, yo, I want my goat. Why are you killing the fat and calf for him? Because he's a loser. Yeah. 
Um, and I, the challenge at the end of the message was basically to decide which brother we are. Like that was the big takeaway. And I think that that's important. And I lo- you set it up that way because obviously the rest of the series will basically be which part of the message are you listening to will be based on which brother you are. And I think maybe there's a part of all of us that has a little bit of a rebellious streak or something like that. But at the end of the day, we're probably going to fall into a default category. Um, and so I'm, I've got myself labeled, I'm an elder brother. I'm going to be waiting for, you know, all the takeaways for older brothers for sure. Um, and, and I think it's so interesting and we're going to get to it, but Luke 15 has three lost items, a sheep, a coin, and a son. Um, so they're all singular items until the third story where we get to that. There's two. You forgot you did. You did the very thing everybody does. No, it's a sheep. It's a coin and it's sons. Yes, 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 yes. Sorry. That's, that's what I was about to get to. I was saying like, it looks singular. It looks, the first two stories actually are singular items that are lost. And then you get the third item and it's easy to make the mistake of saying the lost son because there's one son that obviously acts in a way that's more stereotypically lost. But I don't know why it is so easy for Christianity to read. I, I get it. But then also the story literally starts, there was a man with two sons. So I don't, that's just weird that we've read right over that. I have kids books for Grayson too, that like literally have the whole thing allegorized and all, you know, made into animals or something rather than humans or something. And they just, literally don't even mention the other brother, much less his own rebellion. Well, I think some of that is just the nature of the way Luke 15 is written. So you get the context in verse one and two, and then you get into three different stories. And by the time you get to the, you know, what we would call the prodigal son is you've forgotten the context. Like Mm -hmm. Jesus is actually talking to a crowd of two distinct and divided people. You just kind of get ingrained in the stories and you forget like, okay, this is, there's a bigger setting going on here. And that's why I said context is so important. But I also think the way the story goes, it's so younger son focused early on that you get lost in his story. You get excited, hopefully, about his restoration that you never really get to the, you you think the son, the, the story ends with the younger son being restored to his father. You're like, this is beautiful. And then it almost feels like an aftermath that, okay, there's this older brother and he's mad. And the, the story ends so abruptly that it's like, wait, that feels wonky and weird, but I think it's intentional. And I'm not going to tell you why, because it's in week three of the message series, <laughs> but there's a lot going on and the major focus. It seems and feels like it's the younger son, even though I think the younger son is really a setup to the older son. Um, so that's, I think, why we get lost with and, and so focused on the younger son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all really good. Um, the rose illustration is helpful. They're both dead. They're just one looks alive. I think that was that was helpful. And your point, you know, that Andy Stanley has said so many times of those who are least like Jesus, liked Jesus. I think that's so compelling, but it leads us like, probably to some tensions that like I'm even thinking through as I'm listening about, okay, you mentioned prostitutes or the strip club or something like that. And as somebody, you know, of course, I'm a pastor. I'm thinking through like, what I really be okay if one of our other pastors like always hung out at the strip club like would that is that actually like a good action plan for life or is was jesus an exception um you know does he get to do that well yeah he's jesus so he can kind of do what he wants but the rest of us should avoid people like that or something help me understand the tension of jesus hanging out with a group of people consistently who people christians today would have a hard time feeling like that's our best use of time or or even wise, you know? Yeah. 
Well, I think there's two things that we need to take away. One is, you know, as, as a Christian, I don't want to judge somebody's actions, whether I like them or not, until I get to know the full story. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like, I think it's really easy for older brothers to look at, at someone like Christians to look at somebody and what they're doing, like, why are they doing that? That seems risque. And just immediately judge like, no, Christians shouldn't belong there. Well, why don't you just go and sit down with that person and hear their heart, hear their calling and be like, wow, God is actually using them there. That's, this is a good thing. You know, it'd be easy for us to do that. So I think I have to guard my heart against that. And I think many Christians do, but I also think secondarily or or first, they're not in any order, but I think, well, I have to look at my life. You have to look at your life and be like, Hey, if I don't have any people in my life, that I'm hanging out with that are marginalized, that are forgotten about, that are, you know, lost and in need of a savior in need of reconciliation towards God. Like, am I really living out what Jesus has called me to live out? And so I think it's twofold. Like don't look at somebody and and what they're doing and judge them and be critical of them until you, you know, you hear the story, at least sometimes you're going to be like, yeah, that guy shouldn't be there. That girl shouldn't be there doing that. There are those times but get the story first. But then second, look at your own life and say, man, how I need to push some boundaries. I probably should be offending some Christians by who I'm hanging out with and who I'm loving. And if I'm not at some point, am I, do I really look like, does my life really look like Jesus's? Yeah. Yeah. I like, I went, well, what you just said, I want to dig into that. Like I should probably be offending someone. And I think that was your point. Not so much like the strip club as an actual place that the point was not the strip club. The point was that somebody should be like, wait, is that a good idea? Because frankly, you know, me knowing who I am and what my struggles are or aren't or whatever, it probably wouldn't be a good idea for me to go to the strip club. But like the, keeping in mind what the pattern of Jesus that we might want to model after is to say, people who didn't think like Jesus liked him were drawn to the message of hope that he was able to give. And if we don't draw people who aren't like us through the message of hope that we have to give, like what Timothy Keller said is you're giving a different gospel. If you're the message you're preaching must be fundamentally different than the one that Jesus was because people loved him who were nothing like him and who, who disagreed with a lot of what he had to say. And so I love the idea of offending because Jesus was offensive on all kinds of things. Like he didn't just offend the religious people because he offended them for sure, but he also offended Rome sometimes. And he also offended his disciples sometimes. He offended just about everybody at some point. And that's why I thought it was so provocative of you to use, and obviously intentionally so, to use the examples of like the protesters or the police. Not that that's really a dichotomy that like the world is broken down into protesters or police. Cause I know it's obviously, you know that, and we know that it's more, there's more gray than just that black and white type thing. But um, it, that's really helpful to think like, man, you should, there should probably be some people on your Facebook feed who are like, I can't believe that you would. And then the next week, you're somebody on the other side of that issue is going, I can't believe that you would. Like, right. you're the kind of person who's praying, who's interacting with and interceding in, on both sides of this, that people from every camp are drawn to your message of hope. Well, I think we have to be careful too, is like motives play a huge role in this. It's like my motive can't be to to tick off religious people. I'm going to show them what they should be doing. No, you're, you're, you be just become the younger brother at that point yes. in rebellion to what they believe. I say it like this, my love for lost people should offend some religious people, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what Jesus was. And even in the process, when Jesus hung out with the prostitutes, he loved them and his love 
overcame the offense that he was going to share with them. So like he, he told, you know, the, the woman at the well, like, go live your life of sin. That could be really offensive. If I told somebody, you know, Hey, if I told some prostitute someday on the road, like, Hey, go live your life of sin. She, she probably slapped me, sure. but like Jesus loved her and his love for her, his care for her covered the offense. And I think, you know, those are really important motives play a huge role in what we do. If I'm just out there protesting to show all the other Christians that they should be out here, like I'm, I'm missing the point mm-hmm. altogether. It's supposed to be a love for lost people and people who haven't been reconciled to Jesus and standing up for what's right. That's what my motive should be. Not, Hey, I'm going to show them. Yeah. I love that. And I think in some ways, if we were just digging further to this protest thing, because I do think it's relevant in terms of like people in our world, especially in our city are thinking about this right now. And there's, there's some implications potentially. Um, I, I recognize the whole elder shield was, you know, and some, some of that's all political politicized and, you know, being used, I'm sure um, for different means and ends and maybe not always well intended, but I think in some ways it's actually a kind of a cool picture of what Christians could be in moments like this. The Elder Shield, you know, community leaders ask some spiritual leaders to stand between the police and the protesters um, in these in these local protests. And I think that it actually has a kind of a cool symbolism in that, like, if we were to really lean into that and mean that, like, where would a Christian find itself? Well, it would be a Christian should always find them, it's, uh, themselves wanting to see good advance in society, that good changes are made. And also that government is honored. You know what I mean? Like that God put these people in positions of authority. And so we have to obey them, but also we want government to be good and right and handled properly. And so like, that's a tension to manage, not a problem to solve. And so to find yourself right in the thick of it as a barrier against provocation and actually as a shield of prayer between these two groups of people saying like, I want to see God's glory and the gospel go forth in this moment, which is so right. tense and and on the verge of violence to see a Christian right in the middle of that standing there saying God's power is at work in this, man, that's going to be offensive to people on both sides of this. I can't believe you would. Right. And that's, I'm not, I'm not saying that we're like down there with a megaphone preaching the gospel, but I think it, it has a cool showing of the, of the tension. Sure. And I think that's why it's important for those looking on the outside saying, Hey, why is that person there? Instead of filling that gap with, Hey, this is why, or like in your, like go to that person and say, Hey, I saw you there. Could you tell me why? Could you explain it to me? You know, unfortunately in my position, I get to hear about what everybody's doing. And, and you know, I'm like, listen, why are you coming to me? Go talk to that person. I've heard numerous stories of people on our staff, which I'm really proud of. They've gone to the protests and their goal was to stand in the middle. And when somebody got rowdy, Hey, we're not going to do it this way. This is not, this is not going to solve the problem. And they've actually held people back from doing stupid things, from doing violent things or whatever you want to call it. And also standing up for what they believe to be true and justice and what we serve a God who is just. And so actually standing in the middle and fighting for what we would say is unity, but it's easy from people as older brothers or whatever you want to call them to look from the sidelines and be like, I can't believe they would be there. Well, you, you, Go talk to them because you never know. Now, you might be surprised and mad about what you find. At least you went to that person. And so I think that's really, I think some of that gap from the older brother to the younger brother in between is, is simply a conversation that could help a lot of people. Yeah. And, and obviously these protests are not like, they're not, um, rallies where we're 
you know, somebody's preaching the gospel or something. It's not like that. But at the same time, I think it, it brings up all the tensions that are relative to Jesus hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. I think the whole, this context of Luke 15 is him spending time doing what, what God had called him to do, doing the work of the ministry that God had, the mission that he had sent him to do in context that made certain people uncomfortable. And and that's exactly what we're describing here, perhaps in regards to protests, or perhaps it's like who you choose to hang out with in your neighborhood or at school, what kind of you know friends you choose or which clubs you are or aren't a part of and all that kind of stuff. If we're going there with a missional mindset, it's going to inevitably have some offensive implications. Sure. And I think while we need to both be the kind of person, I love what you said, like my love for the lost ought to offend somebody. Like that's good. But then also we need to step back and say, it's not just my personal relationships with people far from God. It's how do I evaluate the relationships of other people far from God? Cause like you said, most of our church is elder brothers. So we just need to make sure that we've got a constant reevaluation lens to recognize that like my good behavior is never what got me a relationship with God. Their bad behavior will never keep them from a relationship with God. A relationship with God has always been about grace. So I need to lead with that understanding if I'm gonna if I'm gonna understand this rightly. Yo, you're jumping into week two, so yo, I gotta chill. Pull that horse back, bro. Pull that horse back. <laughs> my bad. My bad. My bad. Okay. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what we're looking at week two, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Week two of uh, Tale of Two Brothers and anything else coming this weekend. Yeah, I think we're going to dive deeper into older brother and younger brother. Um, I think we're going to see what they were both after. I think the big thing is you're going to see guys who chose opposite paths, but both wanted the same thing and mm-hmm. came to the same place. And so we're going to talk in, in, in more depth of what that looks like. And we're also going to see how we should respond. So the first time we, we said, Hey, you got to identify where you're at. Now we're going to talk about where we need to go from there. And so it's going to be, it's going to be an exciting weekend. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. Can't wait. And uh, it's going to be an awesome weekend. And I also just got an email from you a couple, probably about an hour ago, pr- planning our Christmas series. So I'm looking forward to all kinds of things coming this fall and into the holiday season. It's going to be great. Thank you everyone for listening and watching. If you've got any questions, you can always pass them along to me or Drew or podcast at northridrochester.com or really any way you want to get us questions. We love to interact with those as often as we can. And some of the things we talk about each week, even when we don't call out people who um, we're sending in questions, some of the conversations we have are centric around people communicating with us about thoughts they had or tensions. So please continue to bring those along. And hopefully you guys are going to have a great week, maybe even utilizing some of the content from this podcast in your community groups. I'm looking forward to Wednesday night when we finally get that thing rolling again in my backyard with social distancing. (laughs) I'm just looking forward to seeing my group again, man. It's going to be awesome. Tuesday night for me. It's going to be great. All right. Awesome. Thank you everyone for checking it out and we will see you next time.